515 we're pretty good in the game not perfect but pretty good and have a pretty significant advantage in, in the scoring chances at 515 but special teams are rotten right? uh, power play penalty kill over time that cost the games power play had one chance and did nothing with it but, uh, it's as bad as we've looked in any, in any power play um, and then penalty kill gets in our net before we can even blink to start the game and, and then second period first we take a penalty with a high stick careless high stick with, with control of the game like those are the kind of mistakes that cost you games and cost you points first to take the penalty and then have full control of the puck and not get it down the ice you're just inviting problems so that's that's what costs you games and that's in those situations but once again we played a good game but we make mistakes that you can't make when you're trying to win it is Friday. It's Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Ben Ennis and Brent Gunning made it. We were we were hairy. Yeah. Uh, out of breath, perhaps? It was, you, you're running around the building? I don't you, know. You had security issues I this morning? I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, sure, obviously, as everyone who's listening and knows me in my personal life knows, I am an impala, a gazelle. I can mm-hmm. run long distances, no problem. So I'm definitely not just now catching my breath. <laughs> After sprinting outside up Ted Rogers way across the Rogers campus because security card guards and cards both don't want to let me in. So here we are. Boy, oh boy. I've never it's never felt more fitting to say this. Good morning, hey, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Good morning. Uh, good morning to you. Yeah, this this place is like Fort Knox at, at the at the best of times. Right. Yep. Like there's there's there's. Uh, security cards required to get into the parking lot, then the security cards required to get out of the parking lot, then the security guards and cards required to get into the building and mm-hmm. then into the door. Like, yep. there, you need to use your pass card about seven times to get into where we are exactly. <sighs> when you when I heard that you had issues with a gate, I assumed it was like getting your car in the parking nope. lot. No, the no, car... That's- that's so, no problem. You were just afraid of jumping over a turnstile. A, a coward. A, You're a turnstile coward. I am. I mean, I'm a coward about many things in my life. But <laughs> I, my worry was I was going to then, as you mentioned, just because I've parked my car, mm. just because I've made it to the lobby, just because I've made it through the lobby does not mean there's not at least, I think, two more checkpoints with my security guard <laughs> between there and then. So uh, You didn't yeah. want to be stuck, like, in the middle of the mm-hmm. building. No, I didn't. I mean, honestly. In purgatory. Yeah. In security purgatory. That's would've, what it would have been. Would've maybe like, in be- the building, but no, no ability to do anything in the building. Would have maybe been better than sprinting outside without my <laughs> coat that I left in my car. Uh, I just, um, I don't want to you know, spend too much time on this, but I know you're going to enjoy this as well is that I also already now I want to be clear. This has nothing to do with punctuality because this happened closer to my home, Uh Uh, but already got into it with a fast food establishment uh, about the availability of eggs at Mm. 545. This is when you need to have your eggs. That's what, that was kind of the point I was trying to make. Well, at least at six, you know, maybe it's a little too early. Like, are they getting their eggs like at six, like right Right at six, because six is like the 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 absolute mm-hmm. latest that you can be fully stocked with eggs. On I would have I would have bought that if I didn't see to go orders for various companies from people who are too lazy to go get their food themselves, just oh. being prepared and oh. stockpiled. And me oh. going, but I'm here, yeah, like a person, a sentient yeah. being here right now. So honestly, <laughs> I'm just in an awesome mood to start the day. Oh, and the Leafs lost, great. Yeah, their special teams were rotten. I actually did really, you know, 
I uh, appreciate the work all of us do on the show. Me, you, Azo, Santos. Could have made that Sheldon Keefe montage a little longer for me to catch my breath. It was actually <laughs> kind of perfect. I was like, you know what, Sheldon, let's play the whole thing. Yeah. I need a, I need a minute to uh, to get my my wits about me here. But we're we're here, and I'm here, yeah. and somehow into Fort Knox that is the Rogers campus. Yeah, well done. You made it. Good job. Um, and yeah, you didn't you didn't violate any rules. I I I, I would not. Well, have. maybe I don't know. I yeah. I might have jaywalked to get here quickly. I might have. <laughs> I think it's pretty assured uh, that you did jaywalk. Anyways, Leafs, uh, as is their want. I was going to say it's been a while, but no, the, on the California road trip, they also went to overtime against the the Ducks and won that overtime game. Uh, but they went to overtime again. Most overtime games in the NHL uh, this time didn't uh, end up their way as the Islanders snapped the four-game winning streak, taking it 4-3 in overtime. A couple of goals from Austin Matthews, giving 33 this season, uh, Anthony Petrielli yesterday called it a scheduled mm-hmm. loss because, you know, it's a real hockey team. By the way, shout out to the San Jose Sharks. Oh, did they do it? Beat the Montreal Canadiens yesterday, snapping their 12-game uh, losing streak in regulation. Good so for we'll- them. They they deal with both ends of the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about all the great teams they've beaten. Also, I mean, they couldn't beat themselves. In, well, actually, I bet they've beat themselves in many games this mm-hmm. year, the Sharks, but uh, losing to an all, another also ran. Good for them. Or winning against another also Yeah, ran. so they won't go a full calendar month between wins. Good, good for them. Anyways, that's not a real hockey team. Mm-hmm. Islanders are not that good this year, but they're a real hockey team battling for a playoff spot. So, yeah, it, w- it was uh, getting the bends a little bit. Understanding that, yeah, the Leafs aren't just going to control play for 55 minutes of the 60-minute hockey game. Um, They did build themselves a 3-1 lead. They gave up two power play goals. You can maybe quibble with the the Lilligren penalty at the blue line. Mm -hmm. Uh, First penalty, also a little bit curious considering Matthews was tripped right before his tripping. But you got to... You got to also not allow a goal within seconds of of the power play. Um, This is one of those games where it's like, I'm not... I'm not furious with the Leafs. There's mm-hmm. no massive nope. takeaway here. But, yeah, that's a game you could have easily won against a team that you're better than. Totally is. Uh, I don't want to labor the point too much, but you mentioned it, and I'm a little ornery, so I'm going to complain about something. That Austin Matthews tripping call, it's not the reason the Leafs lost the game. It's not anything like that. But if you're going to call that penalty 31 seconds into the game... is second minor of the year, by the way. It better be the first of 5,000 penalties we see in an NHL game. Because we talk about it all the time. You want to set the standard. You want to set the standard. Like, the later it goes in the game without the first penalty, you say, okay, this is what the standard's going to be. And then... Again, and this is like playoff hockey. We do this all the time. Then at the tail end, it's prison rules, and you can't do anything to get a call for the last 10 minutes of the third period because tie game, and you wouldn't want to decide anything. So it is just always a hobby horse of mine. Cannot stand it. If that call happens in the middle of the second period, I can say, okay, it is what it is. But setting the tone that way and then saying, eh, maybe there's just one other penalty in the in the first period there. I guarantee you there were infractions just as egregious as that. So don't need to spend too much time on it, but it did drive me nuts. I think you, you know, we get back into with this, the conversation of a normal hockey team. Okay. They lost the game. These things happen. Go pick whoever you think is the best team in the NHL this year. They lose games. Now I think Keith nailed it in his post game comments. There are some things you don't like from the game as a whole, but special teams is what you hate, hate, hate in that one. When the Leafs have kind of gone in the doldrums in the past, one of the things that sapped momentum and sapped energy from them so much is not just not scoring on the power play, 
but not generating anything, not using it to tilt momentum in the game. And you didn't really see that from from the Leafs last night in the in the chances they got. Obviously, special teams in terms of penalty kill, they struggled there as well. So, yeah, I think it was a game where you played an okay five-on-five hockey game. You stole a loser point. You probably didn't, you know, necessarily deserve that. But I, I don't think you need to have massive sweeping takeaways one way or another. No, uh, trade everybody. Oh, okay. Uh, no, yeah, it's that's it's fine. It's fine to to lose a hockey game. You're not going to win all of them unless you're the Florida Panthers or the Vancouver Canucks or the Winnipeg Jets or the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. Other than those teams, other teams lose hockey games. So it's it's totally fine. Leaf six in the NHL mm-hmm. power play percentage this season after being yep. second a year ago. Thing about that though is, you know what the thing about that is? Mm. Like, do you know what I'm about to say about no, the thing I about that? Don't. The thing about that. Mm. Have you looked at the thing about that? Okay, here's the thing about that. So, just say it. I'm in no <laughs> mood this morning. I gotta be honest. Here's the thing about that. Uh, they actually have a higher percentage on the power play this season than they did a year ago. It's just everybody's scoring mm-hmm. on the power play. So, yeah, they're 26 points. Yeah, there's a 26.7% uh, on the power play, even after the 0 for 1. We needed Darko Ryakovich yesterday. Uh, only 0 for 1 on, on the power play for, for the Leafs yesterday. So they, they, they're they they're still sitting in sixth in the NHL in power play percentage. They were 26% a season ago. That was good enough to be second behind the Oilers' uh, all-time great power play. So it's... I, yeah, I don't know. We were looking for, or we're looking uh, at the the specialties and, and specifically the uh, the the power play under Guy Boucher, and and we thought maybe under uh, John Klingberg at uh-huh. the beginning of the season. Hey, why why are you making changes on this unit that was so good a season ago? And and maybe if you weren't digging into the numbers, you'd look at six instead of second. You'd say, well, what's going on here? Rotten power play. Right. Not, not really the case. I wouldn't it's go the as, same. It's not rotten power play, but the whole point of a, you know, it's not, in my opinion, maybe you feel differently. It's not just good enough to have a, you know, for forever. Mm. I forget what the exact number is, but if you add up the penalty kill and the power play, the certain percentage you want to be at, if you're at that, 100. is that what it is? Is it really that simple? <laughs> okay, it's that it. simple. Okay, sure. Yeah. I, think I feel like, like it's more like, than that. I do. Uh, be, really? Because if you're, I don't know, if you're twenty percent and eighty percent, I don't know. I feel yeah, that's like, good. Yeah, I guess that's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but what I what I look at with that is you need it to be a separator for you. The Leafs uh-huh. are not the the Leafs not that they are this offensive dynamo that they, you know, and I feel like even the league at large is kind of maybe catching up to that a little bit, although Nylander's point streak and getting paid the way he did probably quells any of that, but it's not just good enough to have your power play clicking at X percentage. Mm. You need it to be X percentage better than the bulk of the league than the rest of the league. You don't have to have the best power play, and I don't think it's some detriment that is holding them back this year, but it is a drop to go from second to sixth. Then, yeah, maybe the percentage is clicking the same, but if other teams are able to click at a percentage better than that than they were last year, what does that tell you about how, quote-unquote, easy mm. it is to score power play goals this year, you, or but, just easy I, to score goals in general? But have you looked at the power play and been like, that's not good enough? No, I haven't, but you see last night, the bad happened. Yesterday was yeah. not good enough. No, like, exactly. Yesterday was, it was maybe their worst power play of the entire season. They had one chance, chance at it. But mm-hmm. like in an overall sense this season, I haven't looked at the power play and been like, that is rotten. Like that, there needs to be massive and major changes on the power play, and the penalty kills kind of gone through some mm-hmm. ups and downs. And goaltending has been a big part of of the reason it has struggled at times this season. It's still a, a bottom ten unit mm-hmm. in the NHL, and they've been implementing new penalty killers, yep. whether it be Austin Matthews or William Nylander. The penalty kills a different deal. Power play, I haven't looked at, and. and 
for the the entirety of the season said that's that's something that uh, could rear its ugly head come the postseason. No, I don't think it's a rear its ugly head thing. I think it's if you have four, you know, whatever the number is, you know, forty million dollar forwards. Yeah, that it's not scoring a, all the time. That's it. It's you know, everyone looks at you the should Oilers. Be the and, Oilers last season at thirty percent. You sh- you shouldn't be, but it shouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. There should not. There's no reason there can't be stretches. That it looks like the Oilers. And we've seen it in bursts this year, but it's never been quite consistently that. And hey, like they have the guy in McDavid and they have the league's biggest power play merchant in Leon Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I understand, but it's, I, I think that you need to, let me put it this way. You need to be way closer to the Oilers than you do 10. Uh, no David Camp to start overtime, but Jake McCabe instead of Morgan Riley mm-hmm. to start overtime. And he's fishing the puck out of his net. The game is over. First yep. time he's been on the ice in overtime for either a goal for or against. He's got second most yep. overtime minutes on this Leafs team amongst defensemen, but like it's it's less than half the amount that Morgan Riley has. That was some curious. Yeah, odd it was. Decision. It was a little odd. I'm trying to think. Did he? Because there was the there was the defensive zone faceoff, right? But did he start? The I frame? assume they iced the puck. Oh, right. Yeah. So there wasn't was like able to get the change. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, it would have been, it would have been McCabe. I guess I, I did it. I, I'm sitting here trying to th- come up with a reason for it against a team that doesn't have a ton of weapons, but like a guy in Barzal, you need speed to defend mm-hmm. that. And Morgan Riley, like, you know, we, we quibble about his defense, but I think I like that. I like him better, but I don't know in that one instance there. And yeah, like the, they were ice. They ice the puck, so they didn't have a chance. But it's like I don't know. I feel like I think Jake McCabe has just as good of a shot to box out Matt Barzal as Morgan Riley does. I mean, oh. he didn't on that play, but I think he. I think if you just look at what are the things they do well, it's like give me Morgan Riley mm. ten times out of ten if you're taking the overall player. But if it's this one specific skill in that moment there of just hey get a body on Barzal, box him out. Nah. I don't know that McCabe's a worse option than no. him. I, I would have started Riley. I like you that. Start your best. Play. It's a five minute overtime. Yeah. You get three on three like you start your best players unless your your whole idea is winning the face off the the camp thing or whatever but um yeah no i don't know it's again like no grand sweeping takeaways don't fire sheldon keith today because mm, he didn't have morgan like riley on the ice in, in overtime um another takeaway again these are slight actually this one might be a bigger one mm. so yeah we talked about all the overtime games the leafs played a million like half the games have gone overtime seemingly um that has resulted in Perilously few regulation wins, mm-hmm. but perilously few regulation losses, yep. especially on the road. They have three regulation losses all season long. Pretty good. On the road. Their points percentage on the road, third best in the National Hockey League. What does that indicate? Is that is that like obviously that's good, but like is it is there a grander takeaway than wow? The, the, this team, yeah, you can quibble with the the regulation wins, but the regulation losses. But I mean, it's it's more translating on the road than it is at home. In years past, I would have done the thing where I'd say, "Oh, it's the weight of the crowd," and they get. I don't think that's the case. I I don't know that I've noticed a massive difference with the Leafs in terms of their home road or their home game versus their road game. I think that that'll likely be something that I don't think they're going to crater in that regards, but I think that likely normalizes over the back half of the season. We've all seen the stat that the Leafs have the toughest or one of the toughest back half of the season schedules here. And part of that's just a lot of Atlantic division teams. So I don't know that I read too much into it one way or another. I guess the biggest thing I would look at is, and again, I, I pair this with the bit of a softer schedule is that other teams on the road, they struggle when they can't match, when they can't get the the lines they want out there. And the Leafs just having the two headed monster that, you know, when we think of, 
when we think of great teams, we think of two great forward lines usually. But guess what? There's a lot of Canadians. There's a lot of Sharks. There's a lot of those type of teams poking around who, even when you can't dictate the matchups, you know, Max Domi can go win his matchup against whoever it is one of those te- those types of teams is going to throw at him. So I don't know that I read too much into it that you don't need to worry about home ice. I actually don't know that you need to worry mm-hmm. about home ice, but I don't read into it that way. I just look at it as proof that the Leafs are you know, a fairly deep team that doesn't need to worry about line matching as much. And maybe that's why on the road, they have more success than other teams. Uh, I have a theory. Give it to me. Okay. So last year, Leafs uh, third in points percentage at home and uh, 10th in points percentage on the road. So they were a worse road Inverse. team. Than they were. Yeah. I mean, what was the number one? I mean, there were, there were a couple of reasons why you thought Ryan Reeves, okay, at the price tag was, was maybe exorbitant. And oh. certainly the term was a little bit more than you would have liked to pay for a guy that's like at best a fourth line player mm-hmm. and probably got it in and out of the lineup. And that has proven to be correct. Um, but yeah, the, there was like a an off ice element to getting Ryan Reeves, and he very much leaned into it. What were mm-hmm. like some of the first comments he talked about, like being like the party coordinator yeah. on the road, social convener? Okay, he's not playing in these hockey games. He is with the team right now on the road, coordinating team bonding exercises. Ryan Reeves solely responsible for the Leafs' rejuvenation on the road. Uh, okay, sure. I uh, I think it's a good tale. I think you'd be a great job uh, in his ARB hearing when he's 40 years old when this deal uh, is up. I know he doesn't have ARB rights, but you should really bring that there. Uh, I think that there is something, too, when the team's going well, you get out on the road. And, I mean, part of it also is just like we're right in the aftermath of, and I know you're talking more to the lack of regulation losses, but part of it's in the afterglow of just ripping through that California trip. And, hey, part of it's a big win against the Kings, but part of it's the Ducks and the and the Sharks. And I think also you look at, you know, the dad's trip. That went pretty well. Like, I think that this is a team and, you know, they're not, they're not a young team like the Devils or the Ducks or anybody like that, but they're still a, you know, they're still somewhat young in this league in terms of the dies and fully cast. What I mean by that is just the idea of, I think they're still malleable to the ebbs and flows of a season more than your, you know, your Golden Knights, your Colorado Avalanche, these teams, they're your Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think that when things get going really well, it gets rolling like a snowball downhill. And we've seen it the other way at times where it can be an avalanche and not, not a, not a fun thing. So I think that's just kind of my read on it. I mean, I, I'm not going to completely poo poo the Reeves thing, but yeah, sounds like you are a little bit. Yeah. I don't want to know. Leafs merely 16th in the NHL in home points percentage. Now, if Corey Perry is on the road. Yeah. Oh, I'll just leave that. Okay. Uh, so Martin Jones picks up yet another point. Uh, his backup, Ilya Samsonov, wearing the ball cap. And maybe we can get to his, his pregame comments. He was allowed to speak to the media for the first time since being the recalled. Jack- well, the, there's only there's only some of the jackals mm. in Long Island, not the full horde oh, of yeah, jackals at yes. least practice. <laughs> That's right. And apparently the, the media availability limited to three minutes. Anyways. And, Mart- but... It has to be said, Sheldon Keefe said they're all fine people, which is exactly what it sounds like when you just are trying to move on and not compliment someone. Yeah. Fine people. Yeah, sure they are. All right. Uh, so Martin Jones, yeah, he gets the point. It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Romanov, I mean, it's a great shot. And yeah. You probably shouldn't score from that angle. I, I, I'm I, have the exact, I have the exact same reaction, but at first went in, I went, oh, come on. Come on. It's all, yeah, just 
Just make a set. And then you see it and you're like, oh, my uh, God, you picked that corner. Know, it's a nice shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, save it. That's what you're supposed to I do. Guess. But Yeah, no, it's a nice shot. <laughs> I, I, had the, I had the exact, I had the exact <laughs> same reaction. I was disgusted at first. And then I was like, oh, God, that's perfect. pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, if we put it right there. Right, like, there, like, <laughs> right. Could not have placed it better. <laughs> so, yeah, you didn't kill the guy for that. No. Um, but I will say, in, in trying to project forward, and apparently Joe Wall going to at least make the trip with the Leafs on the road through Western Canada. So I don't know what that means necessarily. It doesn't mean he's going to play in Western Canada. It means don't get too comfy, Ilya Samsonov is what it sounds like. I think me. it means like he's a, he's heard the tales of Ryan Reeves and the road point percentage. And he's like, yeah, get me on the bird too. I, I want to get out there. But anyways, <laughs> in trying to project forward and, you know, I, I put it at 50-50. Uh, Martin Jones starting game one of a postseason series. Want to amend that or? No, no, I would say that the argument against it, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not amending it one day later. Okay. I would say the argument against it is that the ceiling isn't nearly as high as Joe Wall, right? Like I don't, I, even in his strong games this season, have you felt like Martin Jones is capable of stealing you a hockey game? Like, no. No, no, the, no, 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 the team in front of him needs to be good. And he's not making 10 bellers out there. He's making the saves that he needs to make, which Ilya Samsonov, quite notably, was not. Was allowing at least two horrible goals a game mm-hmm. at last check. So that's good. Like, that's by and large what this team has needed all season long. But probably in the postseason, especially if you're playing the Panthers, who just refused to lose in the first round, going to need somebody to steal you a game probably more than once. And for that reason, that that's the argument you could be make, making for Joe Wall, who, man, the last game we saw him, was his best of the season. There were like seven, ten bellers mm-hmm. in the half a game he played before he went down with the high ankle sprain. God, forgot how good he was in that game. So I, actually, I actually blocked that out of my mind because I just immediately got so sad that, that he was hurt. I think that, that I think that last night is a perfect baseline for kind of what you can expect from Martin Jones. Good enough to hold you in it if you're going to hold him in it. And that's not a knock on a guy. For a guy who's supposed to be your third goalie who cleared through waivers at the beginning of the year. And again, go look at some of the names man increases in the NHL right now. Uh, nobody should have been should have been claving or clay, clearing waivers at this point in time. So I think that's exactly kind of where I've been on this all along. Is that if nobody is able to, you know, let's say, because I'm not ruling out the fact that Joe Wall comes back and it's just a different version of the guy than we last saw. I mean, you've been, you've been, you've made the point a lot of times before he got hurt of just the lack of a track record for this player coming mm. off of a long layoff. Now it's a good thing and a bad thing. He has a lot of experience coming off of long layoffs. Cause he's been like hurt a That's whole right. bunch yeah, in his life. So this is, this oh, is old hat for him. Yeah. Spins on this is old hat <laughs> for him, but you know, I don't think it's a guarantee that he looks like the guy that, that was here last time. So I think that that was always kind of my argument is that I don't think Jones is going to kill you. I don't think he's going to cost you the series, but you don't need a goaltender. I, I think this least team is good enough that they don't necessarily need a goaltender to, you know, if they make a run, they need a goalie to steal them a series at some point in time. I don't think they need a goalie to steal them a series in the first round. I don't think that, but Brian, they, they, the one time that they won a series over the last seven years was when their goalie stole them the series. Yeah. We don't need to relitigate all this, but it's like, they could have, they could have just as easily won the series before when Vashilevsky was stealing them for Tampa. Like Austin Matthews was, a, was an inch and a half away from tipping it home in game six, two years ago. And I'm so happy. I don't have to think about that every single day of my life just now when it comes up in conversation here. So I'm not, if you want to win a cup, 
goalie's going to have to get hot for a week and a half, two weeks at some point in time in the run. It can come in the first round. It can come in the final. It can come in a conference final, whatever it is. At some point in time, someone's going to have to go nuclear. And that's not going to be Martin Jones. And I think that's kind of where I've yeah. been on this all all along. Great story. Amazing that he has been able to, you know, hold the fort in, in this way. And, you know, I think it's it's kind of remarkable that there hasn't been the stinker yet. I suppose you could say it was the Jackets game after or was that the Jackets game? And he came in after Samsonov and there were, or, and he wasn't great in it either, but he has not had the game where he has completely nuked the Leafs chances yet. And you can't say that about Samsonov and you yeah. can't say that about a lot of the other third goalies the Leafs have had over the last five, six years. No, Samsonov started, he played the whole game That's against right. the Blue Jackets. Let him and wear then, it, yeah. eat it. Uh, well, I mean, it was, he, it was a tie game. It went to overtime and they lost in overtime, but uh-huh. yeah, two goals. It should not have gotten to overtime. Anyway. And 9-3. That was the Sabres game that I attended in person in which yeah, Ilya Samsonov was removed from that game and then Martin Jones allowed more goals than him. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, my bad. My <laughs> bad. I was not very good. Anyways. Can, um, I, can I grouse about something that's yeah. not... But you're, I feel like you're going to go to a good topic, so I just want to sneak right, this in do here. a bad topic. So, so, yeah, go it's ahead. not a bad topic. just complaining because, again, I, there were no eggs at the breakfast place I went to this morning and the security guards wouldn't let uh, me in the building. But... So Marner gets asked about Noah Dobson last night. He's been on a heater. Mm-hmm. He's he has seven assists in two games against the Leafs this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't... Would it kill you to have a little more LeBron in you, Mitch Marner? If I recall correctly, there were a lot of doubters on him, and he's turned into a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. How about just don't care? He just beat me. Like, that is the thing. And this is a little tiny thing. I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill here, but that is the type of quote where people talk about killer instinct and all that. And look, it's January. We don't need to get bogged down in the weeds of that, but I'd be lying if I didn't see that last night and it just percolated across my feet again. And I just, like, started twitching a little bit in anger. Would it, would it kill you to have the LeBron James in you of... No, we just lost. I don't really, uh, I don't care how good Noah Dobson is. Yeah, I mean, it's are talking about Ricky Rubio is not playing in the game uh, opposite you. I think is that, would, it's but better think, to compliment Ricky Rubio. He yeah. didn't just beat you. Noah, no. Ricky Rubio didn't just put up 40 assists in the last two games he played against you. I feel like uh, if you, I mean, we, I know there's one instance that specifically stands out in my head when, and I, it was it's probably a different deal because mm. Kevin Durant won this game, I'm sure. But yeah. he was asked about Scotty Barnes, and he yeah. had, he was a uh, he was full of praise for for Scotty Barnes. So I don't I don't know if I draw the direct that's line. That's a Hall comparable. of Famer talking about a guy Mitch who's Martin's in his going second to the Hall year. Of Fame. Okay, Mitch Marner's going to the Hall of yes, Fame. Yes, get 100. Austin Matthews is going to the Hall of Fame. Get 100 points, please. And these are peers. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant could walk into the hall. I mean, it's the it's a basketball hall of fame. A lot of, lot of guys are walking in there. Yeah. But Kevin Durant walks in there yesterday. Scotty Barnes got to the league yesterday. Mm. Okay? It's a little different than two guys who are roughly peers in terms of age and all that. Again, I don't like we don't need to belabor the point, but I'd be lying if it didn't drive me nuts. And mm. I saw it again, so you all need to hear He's about it. He's a nice now. guy. He's yeah, not, great. I no, mean, honestly, great. That's that, <laughs> I, as we have seen in the NHL time over time again, nice guys always win. Yeah, I I would imagine. The question's not being asked, but the answer's not the same if this is a postseason series. It's regular season. Yeah, come on. Man, coming off a four-game winning streak. You know, and- no, you know what? Actually, <laughs> stop trying. You, you are. Because this is, and it's not like Noah Dobson's booing John Tavares mm-hmm. every time he comes in there. This is a rivalry. I'm sorry. Ooh. Those fans have decided it. You don't need to be buttering up Noah Dobson. Unless, unless this is some NBA-S tampering. And then, buddy, butter, oh, yeah. butter, butter. Yeah. Churn. Turn that butter. Speaking of John Tavares, the the booing. I feel like they, their heart isn't as nearly into it as much anymore. But anyways, 
Uh, he goes wanting, does not follow up his um, his 1,000th point performance with another point. He's off the score sheet. He's sitting on 12 goals this season, so on pace for middle 20s. Mm-hmm. You notice that his shooting percentage is like abysmal yes. this year. He's it, lowest of his career by like a factor of a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, 8.3% uh, career, almost 13% per uh, shooter, 12.9%. And you can view that two ways. One is that, oh, boy, guys do for an incredible second half of the mm. season. Those pucks are going to the back of the net. This guy's not going to have a whole season where he shoots 8%. Or you can view it as like, oh, here's a 33-year-old who has lost his scoring touch. We know he's not – he's never been fleet of foot. Um and you know what? A big part of the the loss in in goal production has come on the power play. You know how many power play goals John Tavares had last season? I do not. Off Eighteen the top of my head. power play goals this season. This year he has four. Hmm. Um, but how do you view an eight point three percent shooting percentage for a career thirteen percent shooter? John Tavares is a guy who does so much of his damage right on top of the crease. Not to say that he's not an effective player in other parts of the ice, but especially offensively when he's finishing. It is right inside the blue pane. It is below the dots. And it just doesn't feel like he's had those opportunities. And and I don't say that is a happenstance thing. You create your own opportunities. Look at Austin Matthews standing inside of three Islanders on, yeah, I think it was the first one he scored last night where he creates all that space in front and then pulls mm-hmm. it to the backhand. It's beautiful. But that's also a guy who is strong as an ox and in the peak of his powers just eaten contact from three Islanders who, you know, we all know what they are. It's a bunch of butchers over there. Like they just grind on you and lean on you. It is a heavy, heavy game. And you see Matthews just living in that spot. And I don't think Tavares is shied away from it, but as you get older and older, it becomes harder and harder to do that more consistently. The other thing and the power play stuff, I think obviously that's, that's something I think there is, you know, John Tavares is the type of guy who's due for, you know, he. It seems like he always. When we have these conversations, there's the oh, he had three tip goals in a, in a week or something along those lines. That's how the shooting percentage is going to normalize for John Tavares. It's not going to be a bunch of Austin Matthews curling drags from the mm-hmm. top of this from the top of the circle, and he's looking like Romanov last night, placing it perfectly. You know, right where he wants to. It's not necessarily going to look like that. I think it's going to normalize a little bit though, just with greasy, ugly, gritty goals. And guess what? You know what plays in in April, May, and I've heard June. I've never actually seen it, but I've heard okay, is those what? greasy, gritty goals where you're oh, standing yeah. in the crease, just hacking and and getting hacked, and you know just just eating eating cross checks and trying to find a way. And that is where he has thrived in the past, and I think that's where save the goals are going to come. He's I don't gonna I, save him up. It's not save him up. I save think him it's up. Just, he is due. Hey, he's like. Yeah, he doesn't want to start. waste him on the on the 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 driving range. Like well, he wants to wait till he gets on the golf course in the back nine, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. That's where John Tavares is saving all the goals. Has that ever worked for you? Never, no. not okay. even once. No. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even like. If I get to a course ridiculously early, uh-huh. I will hit balls, but uh-huh. like, do not because what if. Like, what if there's a good one? You've seen me. There's no practice swings to be had. Yeah. Like, what if I wasted the good one? No, no I know I, you're not. No, I... You I, got I, a routine. Yeah, I need to loosen up. I mean, part of that is just like, yeah, my age, I need to, yeah, get the muscles moving. And my old bones, I uh, don't want them turning to dust old or calcifying if I don't if I don't move. Old but, bone Ben. Yeah, I, I'm not of the belief, like, the the uh, Donald Trump, like, that my golf game is a battery and I don't want to, like, <laughs> I only have a finite amount of good shots okay. and I don't want to waste them. He was wrong about a lot. 
I've heard worse theories on life. I might operate in that way. Uh, like, of I only have a do. finite of, and That's I just, why I don't move. I can't exercise. Why would you waste the limited energy you have to yeah. use in your entire life? Well, and just back to where we all started today. When I die one minute earlier than I was supposed to, I'm going to be cursing that security gate at mm. the front of campus for not letting me in and making me run mm. full sprint. Yeah, I would be of the opposite belief that, yeah, this is like the, the, the best exercise you've gotten this month. And that's, that's probably going to, you know, give you an extra 15 minutes of your life. But anyways. Yeah. Quality, quantity, uh, whole nother discussion. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's other Leaf topics we'll get to later on in the program. Uh, Leaf's making a push for Morgan Riley yeah. to get to the All-Star game. Yeah. You can't, there's, there's, it's too late to vote. Voting closed at midnight. So uh, it, by, it's by, on you if, if he doesn't get in. You only have to, yourself to blame. You can look yourself in the mirror if Morgan Riley do doesn't you, get to his uh, first All-Star game in the city of Toronto. Do you know when they're announcing it? No. So that leads me to your theory of... Gary Bettman and the cabal mm-hmm. cooking up the dream all-star roster. It's like, voting's closed. There will be no further questions about this. And you'll take the all-stars that show up there, Toronto. And I bet they're not all going to be from Canadian teams, despite mm-hmm. what we saw in the uh, latest voting there. So we'll see about that. will be that. interesting. And, yeah, we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about Ilya Samsonov as well. Or, and- uh, you know, we could mention, like we did factually mention it, but oh, ho-hum. Austin Matthews, two more goals. Yeah, Bo- I said it. Yeah, 33. A boring... Yeah, what is it, 19 in his last 17? It's absurd. Yeah, he's on pace for 69 again. So, like, not quite 70, but uh, career high in mm-hmm. goals. He's, he's good at putting the puck in the back of the net. All right, when we come back, Raptors back in action tonight. Final game of the six-game road trip in Utah. Looking to wrap it up at the 3-3. Three and three. We have the punishment for Darko Royakovich. We'll talk about that and more next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's outrageous. What happened tonight? This is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in the, in the fourth quarter. Like, how to play the game. I all, I understand uh, respect for all stars and all that, but we have star players in our team as well. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. And what, what's happening over here during whole season, I've been holding it back. It's a complete crap. No, there is no explanation. They just they just come up there, they review what, and they see what they want to see. Over again, the they got 36 free throws, 23 free throws in, in the fourth quarter. What are we talking about? How are we going to supposed to play? It's happening a lot. But I'm telling our guys, be professional. Keep fighting. Keep going for the next one. But until when? For how long? Thank you. The ending of the thank you is no, thank so you. good. Thank, no, you. thank you. No, actually, yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9. And fan Ben and it's Brent Gunning. That, of course, Darko Royakovich. Quick question before we get into the reaction of all that. Mm-hmm. Is that just far and away, bar none, greatest Raptor coach rant of all time? Like I saw... Nah, Ra- Sam Mitchell, 0-0. Zero, 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 zero. That that's number they're one. They're so different, right? Because it's zero, disdain. We got some guys with some stat Oh, lines. my God. Zero, it's so good. Zero, zero, zero. I, I have definitely... <laughs> I definitely have used that in a scramble. It's like, what did you do today, Brent? Zero, zero, zero. zero, zero. Mm-hmm. Thousand beers. 
zero. zero. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's just like outward disdain for officials, inward disdain for his team. I guess inward disdain, always funnier, yeah. more enjoyable. There was also a great Dwayne Casey one. I forget where they were of, well, they just pat, pat us on the butt. Tell us how it goes. It does to get back up to Canada. I thoroughly enjoyed that from, uh, from Dwayne Casey during his, uh, his time here. So there've been some good ones, but that's yeah. for sure on the Mount Rushmore of Raptors well, rants. And it's, there's some great, Still shots of Darko's oh face. Oh my god! During I, that thing. I immediately you tweeted one. Yeah, out right the next away. Morning. The, right away. Good morning. Had good. to be done. <laughs> god, I'm saving. That is that is. There are there are two to three of them mm. that are now saved on my phone camera roll that mm. are used. I don't I don't I don't text gifts as much as I used to, but mm. I might throw that at somebody if they give me something I don't like. Just that face right back at them. Uh, right, not because I, I don't you. like not because I don't like Darko, but because I'm just as angry as he was. Um. Let's give away some boats or the chance to give away some boats here first before we get into this. Mm. The uh, Toronto International Boat Show returning to the Entercare Centre at Exhibition Place from January 19th to the 28th. We're giving away tickets to the event and ballots for a chance to win their grand prize, a Prince Craft fishing boat with a Mercury engine and trailer. We also have our own VIP prize, which includes a dinner for two, a $100 shopping spree the show, and an overnight stay at the Weston Harbour Castle. Just listen for the code words on our show. Today until January 19th, then text the code word to 59590. You will be entered for a chance to win. Today's code word is international. We have another code word tomorrow. Mm, I, I think that's more Monday. Uh, you're going to have to wait until Monday. So make sure you tune in on Monday. All right. God, can you imagine how antsy people are now? They're like, oh, Monday. Mm. Want to know that code word. Well, text in international today. Make sure you get in uh, on the uh, drawing, 59598. All right, Raptors wrapping up this six-game, very difficult road trip in Utah tonight against a Jazz team, which is probably like on the the schedule, the the most winnable mm. of the six games outside of Memphis. So like Memphis was winnable too. And yep. that was a game that they did win. Um, they've hung in each and every game. They've had games taken away from them because of officiating, whatever, yada, 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 yada. Uh, we'll get into the game tonight in just a second. So we played you the Darko Ryakovich mm-hmm. screed at the conclusion of the Clippers game. We wondered how much he'd be fined and especially comparing it to the Fred Van Vliet mm-hmm. uh, rant against that very same official, Ben Taylor. He was slapped, Fred Van Vliet was slapped with a $35,000 fine. So, you know, and... Doug I was going to say, if he slapped somebody, I feel like the fine would be way more than 35. Doug Smith was wondering if it would be mm-hmm. around 30. 25,000 is what Darko was handed yesterday from the NBA's head office. What, what do you make of that, Brent? 10, 10 G's less than Fred. I mean, it's it's nothing other, I think, than capitulation. I suppose maybe you could make the argument that uh, well, no, I was about to say just financially, obviously you can, you can punish a player more. They make much more than the coach does, especially a first year, first time head coach like mm-hmm. Darko. But I also think you can make the argument that a player is a player and they're supposed to be emotional and a coach is a leader and they're mm-hmm. supposed to take the higher road. I want to be clear. I'm not making that argument. Do that every time you feel that way. And even if you don't, maybe gin it up once in a while because it was great for us, but it does look to me like a clear sign that the NBA saw the reaction across the league. And again, like this is the point we made. We we had our first crack at it because of when the game was played, but everybody else in not just this country, but in America spent the day talking about that rant and the Lakers always getting calls and star calls in the NBA. And I think that the way they, they had to find them, you can't have a, 
you, well, I mean, unless they decide anybody's allowed to talk that way, which I'm very here for, but they're not going to allow that. You have to find somebody for talking about your officials in such a public way. But the fact that it's 10K less, to me, it has to mean they realize they're in the wrong here. Okay, so we 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 played you the Darko rant. Let's just for for mm, compare uh, and contrast a little English. Say, let's let's play Fred Van Vliet's um his rant against Ben Taylor that got him ten G's more. I mean, I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought you know, um, Ben Taylor was f-ing terrible tonight. Yeah, and I mean, he was very specific <laughs> about Ben Taylor, right? Like, I think that's the part of it. Now, if you if you want to parse, you could you could also talk about Darko Ryakovic, not explicitly talking about the NBA wanting the Lakers to yes. win more basketball games than than the Raptors, but it was essentially that is like, hey, if that's the deal, and like you, you just like the game's over before we step on the court, just tell us that, and we won't step on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little different than you know Fred VanVleet talking explicitly about a conspiracy by one official towards uh, um, a, a certain player. And again, the the technical fouls that Ben Ta- Taylor handed out to Fred VanVleet would indicate that there's some credence to that. Here's what happens, though. When you're the NBA and you have no standardized fine mm. breakdown, that you do leave it open to interpretation. And if it's, if it's going to be less than another guy who has a very recent example mm-hmm. of doing the exact same thing, then... We have no choice but to to view that as oh you you believe that the, he had some good points there right yeah. like and you can throw your last two minute report at us and you know you know, LeBron can say your favorite thing in the world the last two minute report it's so great and LeBron can say they fouled we didn't but no when you when you give them less than we expected in the most notable rant this mm-hmm. season by a head coach against officials you, we have no choice but to say oh you you think he's right. I, that is my reading. I'm, I don't know how they would have messaged it. I suppose it would have had to come from Darko's perspective first. Do you think there's any element of a, you know, like I, I'm not trying to like, he can speak English, but it's not his first language. We hear all the time that guy, like when you get really passionate about something, generally speaking, you revert back to the one you're most comfortable in and kudos to Darko. Like that did not happen. Oh my God. That would have been so great. If he would have just been like, oh, it's a language barrier. Like I didn't have the. I didn't have the wherewithal to explain this in a more calm, rational manner other than that. Like, I do wonder if there's some element to that. I don't think so. But I think that the NBA, by not explaining it, leaves the wiggle room for us to believe all these things. Because they're not going to come out and say, we actually, we do agree with Mm. Coach Darko, but we still got to find him. They're not going to say that, but they are implicitly doing it. I wish it was like the NHL with their videos they make for the the punishment (laughs) handed down by the player discipline department, where it's like, as you can see here, Darko mentioned explicitly that the the Lakers maybe get more calls than the Raptors and the league oh, does I, have Im- implicit bias and for this reason we've added an extra 5k to I, this th- fine. I think it would sound like this the baseline of this fine is fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> uh, once he invoked the Lakers clause mentioning them by name and invoking the Canada clause that is an extra that is an extra five and then the eyes popping clear mm-hmm. out of the skull that's the final five to get you up to 25. I was gonna say I thought you were gonna say when you're talking about the language thing that it would have been I was saying it would have been great for Darko to just slip into Serbian for about like 20 oh. seconds like and then <laughs> And then really let it fly. And then us having to to do the translation after the fact. Like if he really got oh, into the weeds what in I would Serbian. Have given, what I would have given for And that, then back that to English. Because now this is just making me think. I noticed, you know, I watched a lot of the FIBA World Cup. And one of my favorite things throughout that was like, 
the coaches of the, the European teams. They'd be screaming in, you know, whatever language is the language for the country they're coaching. But then when the cameras would get in the huddle, all of a sudden it'd be like, defense and try harder and a lot of English mm-hmm. in front of the camera. So I did, uh, oh I did enjoy that play in the yeah. camera. But yeah, there's would... nothing more hilarious than the, uh, the camera and the microphone being on for a, for a an in-game timeout. Yeah. And it being nothing about X's and O's, it's never anything no. about X's and O's. And it's, it makes you think like, wait, what? what is an NBA head coach do? And then you realize, oh, oh right. right. The they, stuff they don't show us. Yeah. Right. They do do stuff. Yeah. Right. Anyways, so yeah, on the court, Raptors finishing up their road trip in Utah tonight. A win would would get them back to Toronto with three and three. It's just some very difficult places to play. Don't know about Pascal Siakam's availability for tonight's game. We know Jakob Pertle won't be in there. Um, this would actually also drop them to below 500 in the Emmanuel Quickly RJ mm-hmm. Barrett era. Um, how much do you care about wins with uh, this team now in a mold where there's a young core that is more clearly defined and there's still another move potentially to come? Well, there is a, a move one way or another, whether it's extending mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam or sending him out the door at the trade deadline. Where are you on how important wins are at this point in the proceedings? You got to start getting some, but you also have to be realistic given the schedule uh, at hand, right? I mean, we just go back to the to the start of this era. It's like you have the win against the Cavs, you have the win against the the Grizz, and then yeah, it's a really tough loss against the Kings. We've talked about that ad nauseum. You whoop the Warriors, but that win feels like I don't know five percent worse than it did at, at the time, given everything that's happened there since Lakers game. We've talked about it again. Clippers really hard-fought, tough loss. So you can sit there and explain and say, hey, I think this was a good trade. I think you're making strides. But at a certain point in time, you need to start winning games. And it's not just for the standings. It's not just for what it does for your season. But it's about locking in what this group is supposed to be. What do we talk about of when the trade was made? Of Yes, it's nice to have a little more depth. It's nice to turn one player into two. It's nice to have guards who can do things on this team. It's well, Fred Van Vliet was here last year. I don't want to disparage him, but you know, it's been a while since we've seen that in in spades on this team. But the other thing that you need to see is you need these guys to buy in that this is working. Part of the reason why there's so much harmony among RJ and, and quickly and Scotty and Pascal when he's been in there is because, you know, even if the results haven't been there, they have proven that they can hang in games. They can compete while doing this. If they start to feel like that's not the case, not that I think this is going to become some team, you know, sprinting in 12 different directions, but it's it's just only human nature for things to become a little less cohesive. This team is younger than it was before. I mean, and they just added extra young players and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the core of this team is around 25 years old. But Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett aren't developing players anymore. Like, maybe there's a, a level that Emmanuel Quickly will get to that he didn't in New York that just simply as a matter of having more minutes and having a bigger role. But, like, he is what he is. Like, there's, there, we're not waiting for development. It's not like, oh, these guys are just drafted. These are, like, lottery picks from a season ago. And this is the long, long-term mm-hmm. play. Like, it is. It's, it's, it's both. It's short-term and long-term. And it's as quick as next season, I would think, that the Raptors are interested in in winning. Like, not winning it all, maybe, but being a top five seed in the Eastern Conference next year has to be the goal, I would think. You're not making a move like this for 10 years down the line. It's it's not everything, right? Like, it's 
okay, it's this team is is very watchable, and specifically the Clippers game, I have all the time in the world for the the moral victory that existed there. But that part of that is circumstances back into back to backs, no Yakup Pertle, no Pascal Siakam, right? Like that's against a team that is a legitimate championship team. But no, if if you're just racking up a bunch of moral victories. Eventually, that's going to, one, take a toll on those players who are like, oh, you know, like we actually should be winning these games. Yep. Why aren't we doing that? And wondering whether there are the pieces uh, on this team to even next season yep. win. And secondarily, yeah, like even this year, the, the, there is a proof of concept thing that needs to happen and and perhaps a an experience thing that needs to happen, even if it's just, you know, getting into a, a play-in tournament mm. or or getting into a first-round series. Led me right where I needed to go. Like, does this change the idea of the play-in series and not needing to get there? Because I think just given where this team is at, the fact they don't have their first-round pick, all that, they do need to get there. But do you think... Like, I was a proponent, uh, I think a lot of people weren't, but I was a proponent that it meant something for Scotty Barnes to play in, even if it was one game, one game that mattered in mm. early on in his NBA career. I am a believer in that. Do you think there is something that, again, they need to get there because of the moves they've made, because of where they're at in the clock, the lack of first-round pick, but do you think there's really something to be gained from that, you know, do-or-die or, you know, need-to-move-on experience from this group? Yeah, I, I do. I think there's there's an import to that. I think it's, it's all well and good to have good vibes and... And better vibes than existed mm-hmm. in the early stages of this season um, and against the Pistons in their their God. loss before the trade was officially officialized. But that that can only take you so far. Like, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say the Raptors continue to lose and they have tough opponents, mm-hmm. but look at their schedule. There's not a, it's not no like break. A, an obvious spot where they're going to rack up a five-game winning streak. They kind of that's part of the reason why I felt like, man, if you could only have restarted the season with this trade mm-hmm. and you had some of those losses turn into wins that you had against some lesser lights, uh, this season would feel a whole lot differently. But, like, I, I'm not going to tell you in a week's time where they, they come back, they lose tonight, and then they come mm-hmm. back home and they lose to the Celtics and the Heat, and, oh, they hung in those games, and now it's like a four-game losing different. streak. Well, okay. And, and like, quickly and Barrett still look good, but I'm going to be like, well... Okay, and the, there will be other moves made before next season, but this is supposed to be the team by and large. And if they if they just you know try hard and are more watchable than a season ago, that's that's better. But like, yeah, also the wins have to be there. Yeah, they they definitely do, and I think that that is the question that'll kind of swirl around Siakam and the potential trade for him between now and the deadline. Like that's the thing we're going to continue to be on watch for: is do you want to really give it a run, or do you want to do you want to move on and kind of start fresh, truly, with this kind of new three-headed monster? If it's Barnes quickly and and Barn or uh, Barrett. Speaking of starting fresh, as was going down in New England, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, officially coming together at a podium yesterday to shake hands, and then depart. Bill Belichick, done in New England as we get set for Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Our pal Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS joins us next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.